Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. Ho, 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 gentlemen. The holidays came early here at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched new products, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself, or someone who needs it, the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use the code PEAKSPEAK for 20% off plus free shipping. Manscaped is going beyond the groin with their new ultra premium body wash. It's infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice and moisturized. They've also launched their new two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, which has key ingredients with benefits that include hydrating, nourishing, conditioning the scalp and strengthening your hair all at the same time. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code PEAKSPEAK. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Why wouldn't you want to have clean nuts at Christmas? It's summer in uh, Australia, sweaty balls, it's the last thing you need in your life. I literally cannot remember the last time I used shampoo. On your balls or in general? In general. You're a filthy human. I have to use it at least once a week because I take my kids swimming and the chlorine fucking ruins my hair and beard. Uh, But yeah, anyway, uh, while we're speaking of wonderful sponsors, talking about the Prism Coffee crew, recently one of the OG Prism boys, Jono, rejoined the gym. That's how I knew the Prism guys initially john was a member of the gym a few years ago and has just come back excited to see him crushing it again uh he brought past some more of their fancy instant coffee for us to get rid of for them to sell to our members so you know if you want to get your hands on some delicious high quality instant coffee that doesn't taste like the garbage water swill that you buy at your local supermarket go to prismcoffeeco.com.au I should really know their website by now <laughs> either way google prism coffee co and use the code peakspeak to save yourself some money amazing how are you my friend life is pretty good man um i have no major complaints i mean it just keeps fucking raining in canberra i'm a bit sick of rain and sub 20 degree temperatures in fucking november but mm. otherwise i have no significant complaints got our workshop on on the weekend which would be cool um that's our first sort of event post covid lockdown which is nice Mm -hmm. i'm excited to you know present to people and and do that again uh but yeah otherwise just ticking along realizing i'm at that time of the year where all my fucking weekends are booked out between now and christmas which infuriates me at no (laughs) other point in the year am i like booked six weeks in advance except this time of the year and i fucking hate it why do you hate it so much? I oh, just 
I I object to the commitment level that I have to make <laughs> to events that far out. Yes. I prefer to be able to use the fact that I have a child as an excuse not to do anything. Uh-huh. Sorry, I can't come to your event, my child. Uh, and you can't do that at Christmas because it's all like fucking family events and mm. all that garbage that you have to turn up to. It's true. I mean, like, you could just do what I do and play the piece of shit route, which is like, hey, sorry, I can't come because I just don't want to. Unfortunately, I can't because my esteemed partner in life is pretty good at telling me to stop being a piece of shit and <laughs> go to these things. Um, and, you know, the family thing also makes a difference. So, yeah, it's just... You know, I get to a point in just like Man. late November, early December where I'm like, oh, I just wanted it to be fucking January already. It's 2021. Just do, do what every business, every politician, every government does. Just be like, oh, sorry, COVID. <laughs> what Look, about it? I've no, sorry, I can't. It. It's just COVID. You know, the COVID situation. Yeah, but it's literally not something. It sucks. Just COVID. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's Look, it's not a bad hand to play if you're, if you're willing to play it. Hmm. But yeah, you know. Here we are. Here we are. Um, a few weeks ago, we were talking about the um, those unlimited bench shirts. Yeah, um, I saw Coop's bench yeah. in that shirt. What the fuck? <laughs> so I managed to put one on myself. That th- it's the same shirt. We've got one sitting here at the gym. Um, a guy in the gym, Les, uh, did did a big bench at the competition recently. So I finally managed to have a play on my deload week the other week because uh, my arms are sore. So I'm like, yeah, I'll chuck it on. Um, and Coop saw me doing that and he's like, I want to go. Uh, so he chucked it on on Monday this week or whatever it was. First time ever putting it on bench 370 like it was nothing. The only what reason the we, f- we stopped is because it was just like silly. Put, overloading that much weight for the first time is just, there's no reason to do that. He wanted to keep going up and I was like, I, yeah, think, of course he did. I think we've had enough. Yeah, you've just benched the biggest bench in history in Australia <laughs> like it was nothing. Yeah, that's um, fucking wild. I look forward to seeing him actually spend some time in it. And yeah, he'd, he'd push over nine hundred pounds, surely. Oh, like I, the I way that we could do that next week if we had to. Man, the way that three seventy moved, it was insane. And this is like completely off peak. You know, he's since his yeah, last yeah. comp, he's lost ten kilos. He's um, he's just doing volume work at the moment. Like, just yeah, it'd be crazy to see what what we could do with some training in that thing. Nuts. It's not. It's not even the highest grade shirt as well. This one's a two ply. They got. Uh, they go three ply and beyond as well. Crazy. Fucking crazy. That's a. Um, they're really nice to bench it. Like, so much nicer than a shirt. Yeah. It's just a, essentially a, a supercharged slingshot. Like so yeah, easy yeah. to use. Yeah. Um, which is cool. I, I'm gonna if it's still around because uh, I'm gonna compete equipped next year. I think I'll use it quite a lot as like a secondary bench or just like while I'm doing volume work just to overload and well it's a good way to get a second bench shirt session in like at a similar load to what you can do your you know main shirted session in but without feeling like you've been raped by your bench shirt twice Mm. a week because that's never a particularly fun time yeah and and even though the load would be higher it feels you could you could do um, relatively uh, less intensity just because of how easy it is to use yeah yeah it's nice yeah cool anyway exciting times all, all of right. that sort of stuff I, I watch and go man I'm glad I had some fun time in equip lifting and man I have no fucking desire to do it <laughs> I watch 
Colin Webb post his uh, yeah. mate total on the on the weekend, and then just the other day he posted a photo of the, photo. Um, the deadlift suit having rubbed talc into his actual skin on his legs. <laughs> and I looked at that photo and I laughed and I went, "Man, I've been there, and man, I'm glad I'm not there anymore." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's it's it's, it's a different battle. It's a for- totally different ball game. I think people really don't recognize just how fucking miserable training hard equip lifting can be yeah for, for me next year it's far more necessity than desire yeah just, my, it's, just my, it's the only way you can squat without your hips hurting yeah, all the time. yeah i just got a, i just got another shot of hyaluronic acid yesterday like a synovial joint fluid replacement stuff just because this it just can't take peaking anymore it's just no cartilage full of bone spurs it's just gross in there and it's yeah getting at what point bit. do you start considering a full hip replacement <laughs> Well, like that's that's the next step, according to the surgeon. He's not willing to go back in there and try and clean it up any further. He's just like, you got to wait till you're forty or whatever and get it replaced. Yeah, crazy. Well, well just become Blaine Sumner and squat equipped forever. Get that's right. strong and start painting your face with chalk. Exactly, wall paint. I'm I'm down. I'm down for it. All right, what's been on your mind? Uh, yeah, so we're in, in talking about topics because as the incredibly professional and well-prepared podcasters we are, we start this Zoom call and then have a discussion about what we're going to talk about. And one of the discussions I've had with quite a few people who in the gym over the last couple of weeks have asked me how my really massive ride was. Um, one of the subjects I've found myself most interested in talking about has been the different mental demands of pushing performance in a powerlifting realm or even just a general sort of strength and conditioning realm and and pushing the limits of endurance um i think you know when it comes to lifting really heavy weights there's definitely a very big and often underestimated mental component to it in your ability to bring focus to what you're doing and conquer your fears and do all that kind of stuff for that peak moment you know that 15 seconds of intensity uh the the other part of powerlifting and pursuing strength training uh performance is there's a, a fairly binary failure point there is not not a lot of willpower that will get you through a limit squat if you've just missed it because you're not strong mm. enough having spent a lot like basically a lifetime doing that kind of performance to then be faced on the other end of the spectrum with a bike ride that took me a little over 13 hours i covered like 138 kilometers and if i'd really wanted to i could have rounded that up to 140 by like doing a few laps of the block and then if i'd got to 140 like i probably could have just rounded it up to 150 if i really wanted to like the the limit on my performance at that point wasn't my body's ability to continue outputting like i could have just kept chugging along there the reason i finished was because i had finished the ride i was doing and b i had nothing left from a mental standpoint i i didn't quit necessarily but i had set the goal achieved it and then i was done Mm. and so yeah it's just it's been interesting being exposed to how different that role of mentality can be in a different performance environment and i know we've talked about like competition mindset training mindset stuff in the past and they've always been really well-received conversations so i think having a little bit of a chat about how those two different and how maybe we can learn something from both ends of the spectrum i think is useful yeah for sure like um 
you know, the first thing that comes into my mind is the conversations that we've had around uh, the idea of grit, the idea yeah. of, you know, developing that that sense of grit and the ability to grind that kind of falls into place here as well. Because one thing that um, especially more experienced powerlifters tend to do is not fail very often. Yeah. And if you haven't failed a lift, like if you haven't failed a squat for three years and then you fail, you immediately forget the three years of not failing and you immediately focus on that one failed rep. And yeah. like, um, you know, a, a really stark contrast um, might be something like weightlifting where you fail every session. You know, yeah. like uh, the, you become okay with the idea of failing because of the the skill aspect involved in- uh, And the frequency of it, yeah. And the frequency, the powerlifting, the nature of powerlifting is that we structure our training in a way that we shouldn't be failing. Yeah. Um, and the only times that we should be really pushing the limits where we are getting to the point of failing besides doing, you know, volume sort of stuff is when we start to come to the volatile end of peaking. And if you don't peak very often because you're an experienced lifter, you don't run that risk very often. And the more experience you get, the better you become at executing. And so you um, you almost like lose the skill of being OK with failing. Um, yeah, and then it's, it's a really you, funny dichotomy, the, the way you can go from being uncomfortable with the concept of failing because you're a new lifter and then you go through that midpoint where you probably do fail a lot and then mm. get to the experience end of it and then suddenly you're not any good at failing anymore but not because you haven't but because you just haven't in a long time yeah the, the other thing that tends to happen with these experienced lifters is that they find to find it hard to disconnect the failure um, of a lift with them as a person like they mm. see failure as a personal failure. Um, and you see a lot of lifters get really, really quite beat up by failing lifts and really setting themselves up with this negative reinforcement cycle that creates a lot of fear around training. Um, it can be re a real hard cycle to break. And so um, I think one thing that you can learn from something like what you're doing, you know, the endurance aspect, that sort of uh, mental toughness, that mental grit, um, uh, even though it's not quite the same as failing per se, uh, I think there is something that you could take away to help deal with the concept of failing. Yeah, for sure. It's it's something that I um, spent a long time uh, joking about the idea that I've been an entirely anaerobic athlete my whole life. Like mm. if I can take one breath and do it in 15 seconds, I'm sweet and I'll compete with the best of them. And if I have to take a breath, I'm in trouble. Like I'm in real trouble at that point. And I always reference like not being very good at suffering. Like I, you know, through both training to play rugby and then training for powerlifting, I got very good at doing short bursts of really intense effort followed by a period of rest or lower intensity effort. And I could repeat that for days, you know, like we could do that for a long time, but I'd never been very good at the methodical, just plodding away at an output level. And riding bikes has definitely given me an appreciation for that. And it's definitely a skill, you know? And I think that ability, like you said, it's, it's grit. It's the ability to endure uh like suboptimal circumstances and you know periods of time where your performance isn't what you expect it to be because you're in the depths of it you know that middle of a training cycle when the volume's at its highest and the relationship with the intensity is at its highest and you're fatigued and all of those things that make your ability to output force and output numbers in relative terms to like what your absolute best is 
it, you know, that's probably the point in the training cycle where it's at its worst. Like you're mm. relatively weaker than you would be at various other points in the cycle. And so it's, I think that ability to deconnect or disconnect your emotions from that state is something you can learn, but you have to be aware of it in in a f- time frame that isn't just a single training cycle. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, especially with powerlifting, it's a game of years. Like mm-hmm. the best powerlifters have been doing it for at least a decade. And you can guarantee in that decade, a good two or three years there will have been a dark period. It will mm-hmm. have been a period where the inju- it's maybe it's injuries, maybe it's just a lack of progress or life circumstances or whatever the case may be. But there's a period there where you weren't making any progress for a little while. Mm. You know, I know I went like two years between squat PBs at one point in training, maybe I hit some little PBs across that time, but it took me two years to add something like two and a half percent to my squat. And it's really easy in that time to be like, well, I'm a failure as a powerlifter. I'm not making progress because you, you come out of that time in a training life where you make super easy, almost exponential progress because you're relatively new to the sport. Maybe you've trained for a little while, but you start discovering the sport you learn about how to do it well you start following a couple of good programs and you see that really nice hockey tick uh, hockey stick tick of results just climbing and climbing then you hit a point and that's the point where it gets really hard and the work that you have to do to get through that point is often the differentiating factor between people who do this for a few years and get okay at it mm. and people who do it for 10 plus years and become great at it mm. yeah i mean like to be super cheesy it's like arnold used to talk about with bodybuilding it's like the the things that separate the you know the amateurs from the greats is the ability to push those few reps when your body's telling you not to push those few reps and it's much the same with lifting exactly like you were talking about with um you know with just being okay with doing that work um the first the first analogy that comes to my head is like when you're driving home and you're busting like you have to yeah, go to the yeah. toilet and the closer you get to home the more you start busting you're like at the door with your keys you're fucking shaking them and dropping yep. them and just piss well, in the front yard that's what I yeah mean. exactly <laughs> i'm not talking about pissing um <laughs> I shit in your front yard fine <laughs> yeah, why not why not but like it's it's this end mentality it's like i'm near the end it's the same with endurance so you know you're going for a long walk or a long bike ride or whatever when you know you're two k's away from the end of of this 138k ride dude i felt it i felt it fucking 12 and a half hours in and i looked at the clock and was like fuck i could almost make it home in 13 hours yeah and so suddenly in that last like 15 20 minutes i was working way harder than i had in the previous two hours (laughs) because i could see it there it was that the end points right there but that, that's the opposite, right? Most people will, will get to that point point. their brain's like, I'm there. Because when you're basically there, you're there. Yeah. And we do this in training. We do this. We're doing a set of eight. We get to rep number six. We're like, I'm there. And that's where it all goes to shit. And it's like um, the, the mentality that you can draw from something like that endurance stuff is that you're not at the destination until you're at the destination. And it's so easy when we're doing this work, when we're doing reps, it's so easy to get near the end and be okay with being near the end and everything go to shit. You're not at the end till you're at the end. It's like uh, the the reps in the middle. Yeah, I mean, each rep is important, but there's a start and there's a finish and your job is to get to the finish when you're doing this fucking work. I've had a similar conversation recently with um, one of the guys who was a member here for a little while who's been training for a long time, has you know been around powerlifting 
it's almost as long as you and I have uh, and moved to Canberra and has been training here uh, but was doing his own programming stuff for a while and has recently just come to the end of his first coaching block with me hmm. and I said in like one of my feedback uh, things at the end of the last week of training that um, you know like his lifting's improved markedly over the last five or six weeks just in how smooth and efficient it all looks and it's not because I retaught him how to squat or retaught him how to bench or deadlift. It's what I did was just hold him a little bit accountable to the things that he'd gotten lazy about. Hmm. And that's, I think, especially with a, a more experienced lifter, in most cases as a coach, the thing that we're doing is helping you see the holes in your own performance mm-hmm. as opposed to rebuilding it from the ground up. Like that's mm-hmm. just, at least in my experience, that's far less common in someone who comes to me with a few years of experience. I'm less likely to rip you down completely and rebuild everything from the start because for the most part, you know what you're doing and you kind of know where you are, but you let the little areas of focus slip because like you said, you kind of get into that that routine, you get into that rhythm of just doing things. These are the things I think about when I squat and then before you know it, you're two and a half years down the track and you've forgotten how to brace effectively or you've developed that little annoying habit that doesn't really bother you unless it's over 90%, but unfortunately over 90% is where all the fucking magic happens. <laughs> yeah 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 it's so easy to get complacent with so many aspects of this stuff just like it is at the end of a race you know it's so easy to get complacent with tightness you know a mantra i don't say it as much anymore but i used to get quoted a lot on this it's like if you think you're tight enough you're not get tighter you know, yeah. if, if i'm standing over you and barking at you to drive your heels down and squeeze your shoulders tighter on a bench you'll find something else to squeeze yeah. and we get so complacent with this and like you said you just as an experienced lifter, you just get okay with thinking, I know what I'm doing. Uh, and you forget to remind yourself to go through that little bit of extra range when you're doing your rows to, um, you know, uh, to squeeze a little bit harder, to squeeze the bar a little bit harder. You just forget to remind yourself to do that stuff. And then when you get, like you said, you know, you get reminded to do that stuff or you, you get that stuff pointed out as a hole in your own training, it's like, okay, well, there's the thing that's been holding me back. Now all of mm. a sudden you can, you know, because I, I don't know about you, but I don't believe that training plateaus should exist. You know, when I hear about pe- t- people talking about um, their lifters going through long plateaus, in the absence of extenuating circumstances, injury, life stuff, etc., if all if all checks and balances are there, progress should be uh, not linear, but should be consistent. Mm. Uh, progress should be continued to be made and so if it's not it suggests that something is going wrong somewhere along the line Uh, and it's often these little things that we just get complacent with yeah for sure and look in in theory i agree like in theory it should like it's a simple maths game right like you just Mm. keep doing the work and you'll gradually make progress over time the reality is for the vast majority of athletes that's not the case because everyone has to live a life that exists outside of the four walls of the gym and even the most committed most dedicated powerlifters in the world still have to work a job and pay their bills and do those sort of things and so all of those factors go into playing a role in all of that but i know a lot of lifters who you know myself included that two-year period where i struggled to make a squat pr there were definitely things i left on the table as things i could have done to improve my progress over that point and it's not that i look back and go man i wish i did those things but i'm glad that i've had that experience to be able to draw from as not just a discussion point from a coaching standpoint but to to be able to empathize with people going through that 
period of time. Because mm. in the most in most cases, we can sit down and have a discussion like, hey, you feel like you haven't made any progress in six months. And I've fucking had this chat with multiple lifters. I had one uh, person who like over the course of like a year was like, look, we've been coaching for like a year. I don't really feel like I've made any progress can you help me like see this from a bigger picture perspective? And I did. And I went through and I listed, I was like, look, here's some numbers to look at it. Maybe we haven't pushed up your one rep max, but you're doing all these weights for reps that you weren't doing before Mm. your consistency in positions. And you know, all of those things is rapidly uh, drastically improved, but more importantly, let's tick off all these big fucking things that happened in your life that I know about, you know, this, Mm like life stress it was things like the covid lock st- lockdowns and stuff like that where it's like if you can't see those things which are in the scheme of things really fucking easy to completely miss because mm-hmm. they've just become an accepted part of our reality mm-hmm. when you ignore all of those factors and all you look at is the effort you've put into training and the results you've got and you're like well they they don't fucking match and i'm pissed off about this without seeing the bigger picture that's when you can really that's you know that's when people get into a position where they blame the coach for not making progress it's like, mm-hmm. well you know we put 10 kilos on your bench while you were recovering from knee surgery like you've made some fucking progress you're just disappointed that your squad hasn't caught up yet because you had fucking knee surgery and you can't <laughs> see the difference you know or something like that it's always mm. those sort of scenarios where like you said it's that three years without missing and then you miss one rep and suddenly you're a fucking terrible squatter and you don't know what you're doing with your life mm. So everyone has this tendency to focus on the negative aspects without seeing the bigger picture. And I think a good coach can help provide uh, context to that conversation in a way that can help clarify the areas that you are making progress in. Because in a sport like powerlifting, it's really easy for the only measure of progress to be your total. And ultimately, it is. Hmm. But the reality of being an amateur powerlifter who does this as a hobby is you have to look for wins in other areas because it doesn't always add up to being exactly what you want to be on the platform at every time or at every opportunity. Hmm. I, I think another big thing that we all inherently do just as humans um, is, is carry this inherent assumption that as you progress at something, it gets easier. Like as you get better at something, it gets easier. Um, yeah. And in, in a lot of aspects, that is relevant. Like there's, yeah. there's truth to that statement. So like in the in the context of, uh, you know, lifting, accessing positions, you know, or um, uh, just bringing intensity. Aspects of lifting does get easier, but the as the skill improves, uh, as the actual output improves, overall, everything should be getting harder consistently. Yeah. And so if everything's permanently getting easier, um, it, it probably says that we're not doing the right thing uh, you know like the same weights should get easier but the whole fucking point of the sport is to have more weight there should be That's, re- it's the unfortunate thing about powerlifting <laughs> there's always more weight to put on the bar yes exactly i heard someone quoted this about cycling they were like it never gets any easier you just go faster and you go further i'm like yeah, yeah. fuck that's so much like lifting like you know and this is where the discussion i have with a lot of people you know, I could talk about the weights I've squatted or the weights I've deadlifted or things like that. And they're like, oh man, that's so much weight. I'm like, yeah, but heavy for me is the same feeling that you have as heavy. Like mm. heavy is a universal experience. The experience of a bone crushing squat 
is universal. It's just in some cases that number's in the 400s and in some cases it's less than 100. And mm. the the actual weight on the bar isn't the thing that determines what is heavy. It's what is heavy relative to you. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy in that scenario, I think, to minimize your own achievements because you're too busy comparing it to, oh, it's not that strong because it's not that. But, you know, we've all got to go through this and we've all been through it, especially those mm-hmm. of us that have been around for long enough. We've all been through the feeling of grinding through reps and having to really work to get through the meat of a training cycle because sometimes it sucks a bit and you got to do that work. And, uh, yeah, I think if you don't have that as a coach, it's hard to be empathetic with a lifter that's going through that as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, like the thing I think about with skill is like I play the piano and like as I, as I get better and better and better, it's it's the same. Like the, the songs are just way fucking harder. So it's still really fucking hard to learn. Uh, the easier songs are now easy to learn, but you just progress in that way. But I wanted to ask you, let's say you did go back to powerlifting full time. What do you think is the biggest lesson or the biggest learning point or skill that you would take away uh, from the endurance training that you've been doing? I think just the work capacity that I would have now would be much higher. Like I'm just way fitter than I've been before. And I think... I mean more from a mental perspective. Yeah, so that would be the physical thing. But I think that comes from a mental place as well. Like for me, it was always a trade-off. Like Mm -hmm. I'm doing this because I can't do that. And I think for me, it's opened my eyes to like actually being able to do both. You know, I think long-term my training goal now is to be able to do both and continue to make progress in both areas and be six to 12 weeks away from being able to push the ends of performance in either of them mm-hmm. so it's for me it's that open-mindedness i think is the the mental piece that i've gotten a little bit more from rather than a specific aspect of it i think definitely appreciating the ability to suffer is a cool skill that i have now mm-hmm. You know, there are not many people that weigh north of 100 kilos who could ride a bike for 13 hours without stopping um, mm-hmm. or like, you know, do the amount of riding I did in that time. Um, so that's like knowing that I can access that area is cool. And I think that would give me opportunities to do work and aspects of work in a powerlifting setting that I haven't done before in terms of like total work and that sort of thing but i think the biggest thing would be just the open-mindedness that comes from realizing i can probably do both in a much more effective way than i thought i could because mm. everyone talks about like the interference effect and those sort of things it's like yeah the, like that's probably a thing if you're like an elite level athlete at either end of the spectrum but i'm never going to be an elite level athlete at either ends of those spectrums so to be mediocre at both i can probably do that pretty consistently and be okay with it I'm kind of a believer as well. Like if, if it's managed well, I, I really don't think the actual interference effect is that big. Like no. it can't be that big of a percent. Did you ever get into, um, you ever prescribe, uh, subscribe to much of Alex Viata's stuff? Back in the uh, day? A little bit because I was interested in the fact that he was fucking yoked, <laughs> deadlifted 700 pounds, runs a marathon and shotguns beers. <laughs> you know he's such uh, a man <laughs> yeah just a fucking manic crazy bastard is he still but, around is he still preaching his stuff i don't i don't know i haven't looked but he's definitely one of those guys that like was breaking that mold for a very long time of being like 
big jack dude who was strong as fuck but also could output hard on that end and i think that's where things like crossfit have been really interesting to see like you look at guys like matt fraser and rich froning who can you know weight lift with national level weightlifters who can do all of the fitness end of things with people who are pretty good in their respective areas i think that uh, ability to do everything is a really interesting aspect of physical performance because so much of my physical performance life has been hyper focused on individual areas or certain aspects of it mm. so i think that balance is something i'm looking to carry forward into the rest of my training career you know i have no real desire to do another 13 hour bike ride um but maintaining a level of cardiovascular fitness and continuing to improve that while also being strong and fit and healthy is a much more interesting prospect for me these days yeah cool um he is still around i was just looking at him being fucking jacked and lifting heaps of weight and climbing mountains yeah crazy bastard (laughs) it's nuts watching people like that makes you realize like how pathetic and weak you really are (laughs) (laughs) i really like um super cheesy but i really like juju mufu too i love like yeah. the, ath- the athleticism the fucking strength and then he did bodybuilding show like the fucking freak yeah it's it's one of the reasons i really enjoyed uh like rock climbing and the slack lining stuff that i've done mm. and and we'll sort of go back to a little bit now um because so much of that is like uh doing things that a guy that looks like me shouldn't be able to do Hmm. you know like being able to dance around a one inch wide slack line and spin around and do all that kind of shit is something that like a 120 kilo meathead probably shouldn't be able to do and i really enjoy exploring areas of performance that shouldn't necessarily be accessible to someone that like looks and has the physical capabilities that i do hmm. but yeah that's what juju's fucking cool for because he's jacked as fuck and can do a standing backflip hmm. <laughs> for a long time i've uh, really wanted to uh, secretly learn how to do a backflip. Yeah. <laughs> like spend a year in complete secrecy doing it. I have a friend of mine who I'm pretty convinced I could spend about six months baiting into betting me like a thousand dollars I can't do a backflip because <laughs> he he knows me well enough to know that I have a propensity for overconfidence, uh-huh. and I reckon I could convince him that. I, I have never done this before, but I'm pretty confident I could. And then just learn to do it and win a thousand bucks just by doing a backflip just out of nowhere. My, but my I, lifter in New Zealand, Joe, Joe Whitaker, he's 140 kilos. He can do it. Action Bronson. Yeah. He can do a backflip. What a fucking crazy dude. Yeah. There's, there's videos on his Instagram floating around. Go, I'll, I'll see if I can find one and send it to yeah, you. Yeah, what a sick cunt. I'm all about that shit. <laughs> it's so, he's such a big dude and just like watching him just leap in the air and spin around it's fucking cool yeah yeah that's that's the short, sort of shit that like dumb party trick stuff really interests me a lot because i have an enjoyment for doing dumb shit that i probably don't <laughs> like has no real purpose in my life like balancing on a slack line serves no real purpose other than just being a fun time yeah <laughs> and i'm totally okay with that that's fine i love it excellent all right i don't really have a lot more to add to that me too that was a cool chat excellent thank you friends listen again next time we love you goodbye see ya